friends, how's it going? It's Tiffany Pratt. This is my love jam. I know it's wild to think that I have a podcast all about love, but let me tell you, even though I'm a designer, creative director, creative person, artist, author, TV, whatever, there's absolutely nothing that I've ever done in my life that has been more important than bringing love into everything that I've ever done. And this is a podcast all about that. I have met miraculous, cool, incredible people along the way, and I want to introduce you to some of them. I want to talk to you about my journey. I want to share some of the things that I've learned. And more than anything in the whole world, I don't want you to feel alone. As a creative person, I want us to feel like a powerful community of supportive friends that can turn to each other and know that no matter what, we've got each other's back. So that's what the Love Jam's all about. Let's talk about it. Let's get down in the middle of it. Let's uncover it. Let's see all of its colors. And let's jam. Let's jam about love. That's the love jam. I'm pretty excited that I got a sponsor for this podcast. Hey, Coco. Wait, what? Can I'm, in the, I'm in the, hold on, I'm in the washroom. Oh, I just need you to read the sponsorship ad, jeez. Just wanted you to read the sponsorship ad. I'm back. Oh, wow. Uh, by the way, your bathroom, really nice. Really nice fixtures. What's going on there? Well, I had my bathroom redone with Delta Faucets Canada. It's, oh. Uh, I know. Well, there I know you it's go. pretty right? slick in there, right? Right. Makes I know. Sense. It's actually pretty fitting because uh, this episode of The Love Jam has in part been made possible by my friends at the Delta Faucets Canada. They, uh, they've made the magic happen for me. Well, you know, innovation and design have been at the heart of the Delta brand for over 50 years. They have poured that into every product they make, creating savvy, sturdy faucets and accessories with smart design on the inside and out. Well, now you know why you like my bathroom so much. Jeez, makes total sense. (laughs) I feel like this is so natural, like how we always chat. This is really fun to have the people I love the most hang out with me and do something to share. I, I feel like having people I love at, at the Love Jam and we get to jam about things that we do, that we love together, like we would do at a coffee shop without microphones in our face, without a headphone. Amanda Hudson, welcome to the Love Jam. Hi. <laughs> okay, so Amanda Hudson is here and I, um, I feel deep honor and great appreciation, not only that you're my friend, but just that you're in my life and that you share time with me. And that's what this is all about is sharing time with people and sharing the people I love and their miraculous gifts with the world. Because sometimes you just said, I'm always so behind the scenes. And I was like, well, you don't need to be behind the scenes today. Amanda Hudson, welcome to The Love Jam. Thank you. Okay, so let's share with the peoples. I love sharing our love story. Before we talk about, you know, what you do and how you bring love to what you do, I want to share our love story. Okay. So I'm going to, you have to jump in because I'm sometimes foggy with details. So I'm opening an email from a girl named Amanda Hudson. How many years ago? Five. Oh my God. Yep. Okay, so five years ago and you are what? I'm quitting my full-time job to go out on my own and start my own business. And I need a website. Yep. And I don't want to use stock photography. <laughs> and I don't know how I found you originally. Like, you just somehow came up in my sphere of things. Didn't you say you found me on someone's blog or something? So, like, someone that I know but I don't think know posted something about you. Yeah. And I went down, like, a wormhole of creeping. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, I like this person. And I don't know what came over me. I was like, I don't want stock photography. Maybe. Yeah. I think you actually said that in the email. Yeah. I don't want to do stock photography. I want something that feels real. And I think the one thing that I love and why I want to share this story is the name of your company then was called what? It was called We Love People. We Love People. Yeah. And so when Amanda shared that with me, when I read the email, and this was early days of my career when I was basically just saying yes to everything that came my way, I was, I, it was sort of like mission impossible because we needed to get lots of photography in a short period of time for your new website that needed to accomplish a lot of things, right? We needed it to look dusky, it needed to look cheerful, 
still feel like you. Yeah, and- I, I think what, I don't even know what happened. Like we had a call. I got sucked <laughs> into the Tiffany Pratt whirlwind, <laughs> showed up at your house. Coco was there and yeah. you were like, bring these seven things. I'll get these things. And then a tornado happened and I had all these beautiful images. And as you know, since have renamed my company and blah, blah, blah. But I still use some of those images. I think it's so important for people to know that you started from a place where she quits her job, opens up a company called We Love People. And that is such a great precursor to the rest of the story that I think is so important because when I was thinking about like, what am I going to podcast about? I thought, you know, and you'll hear in my intro when you listen to the podcast, I believe everything that we do is we do it because we love it mm. and we do it because we want to love our lives and feel joy and we want to bring that love and that joy to other people's lives by way of our strengths and bringing that to other people and you're one of those folks that I think does it the best and you've done it for me in so many ways and I also think your service is so different and I think what you've created is so incredible and I love that so this is something that I want to share that you don't have to live a life hyper creative to do mm-hmm. something that's very creative, that is of great service. So tell that, the peoples yeah, what I, you do. I was just gonna say, that's a really good point. Cause you know, I don't consider myself to be traditionally creative right? whatsoever. No, and you actually just said it when she walked in. She's like, I always feel so guilty when I wear black around Tiff. Yeah, all black <laughs> today. <laughs> um, so the, the business, what do, you do? So yeah. what do I do? I'm bad at describing what I do, but eventually I'll nail it five yeah. years later. Um, so the business evolved from We Love People, which is still very accurate, to um, what it's called now, which is A Modern Way to Work. Which I love. Thank you. Um, and there's myself and a few other gals right now. And we essentially help organizations do some traditional HR stuff. Yep. The boring human resources stuff that people don't love. But then we also have a big practice around people management and organizational design and development and leadership development. So like, what got you all jacked up about this? Because who, like literally, I just think of the brain, the person, the mind, the spirit that sees this as an opportunity that goes in and goes, hey, you know what, there's a hole here. And that's what I love about what you do is you've kind of created a thing that's all your own. So go into that, dig in. Dig in, dig in. I think I absolutely love all the messy people situations and people's businesses that they despise. So (laughs) I think when we talk to most business owners or people running business units that we work with, they're like, oh, you know, the world, this would all be so good if it weren't for the messiness of these humans I have to work with. And that is what lights up my soul. It's like, oh, like the, the hardest, messiest humans at work. That's, as you would say, my jam. And you know, as she's saying this, I have goosebumps and I'm like clutching my heart and I'm trying not to clutch my heart because I'm wearing a clay necklace today that's so noisy and Coco would freaking lose it. But (laughs) I clutch my heart because I value people like you so much because you go into the mess. You know, most people like to skirt around it, ignore it, pretend it's not there, not fix it, not address it, not go into the middle of the storm. And I think that that's what I love about you as a human in this earth so much is you teach people how to walk in the fire and do it gracefully in a way that makes them better people and better business owners. So, um, and I've learned this over time with Amanda. I actually remember, what was this, like four years ago, maybe a year after we met, she was putting together, remember that early morning where I came to put together that room oh, for you? Yeah. What was that? We were, it was a good friend of mine named Jamie, who's a yoga teacher. And we had come back from this yoga festival and we're just feeling so jacked up and we're like, we need to bring some of this back. And We just did it for fun, like just to see what would happen if we made something together. And you did. And it was, I think it was for people to learn about themselves and their businesses, right? Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, I think if we told companies before we worked with them what was actually going to happen, they'd probably (laughs) never hire us. So (laughs) typically like a company comes to us and is like, oh, we have all these people challenges. And we're like, yeah, we're going to dig into that. And we'll, you know, do all these interventions. And then a huge, large part of what we do is actually working on the leadership themselves as humans because and you ask the things and you say the things that nobody wants to ask us and say and that's what I love about you is you're fearless you're like a fearless viper snake that goes in and she says it in a way where you just you can't help but love her you know it's like you still want to you still want you back even the things so give me a typical day in your life where you 
You get, you go where? What are you doing? Who are you talking to? How are you handling it? Talk it out to the people so they get a sense of this work. Yeah, I want to use your, you know, the cliche line, there's no typical day. Um, my favorite days, like yesterday was a, like a perfect Monday. Like I sat at the end of the day and just felt so good. So maybe I'll yeah, describe perfect. that. Yeah. Um, we woke up and we actually were offboarding a client we've been working with for just over a year. Okay. So met them again in this small way and then helped hopefully transform their business through how they treat and the systems that they have for their people and who they are as leaders. And it was our wrap up day. So we got to go in and spend a couple hours saying, you know, here's all the work we did together. Go forth and do your thing. And I have such a soft spot in my heart for every single person there. Um, and then, you know, I got to go to a workout class at Misfit, which is a joy. You know, Amber's coming on the show. She's coming oh, on the podcast. Yeah. So fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So she teaches my favorite class on Mondays. Mondays at noon. Get oh. shifted. Yep. I actually went to that class when I was off for that two weeks. And I thought, who are these people exercising at 12 o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, I need this life. Yeah. Yep. So that's, and then got to spend the afternoon working with my colleague, Leanna, um, on a whole bunch of other projects, checking in with clients. Some things are kicking off, some things are midway, and it's just sort of a dream day. So, okay, when you say offboarding a client, yeah. explain the process of onboarding a client and then onboarding meaning what? Like what, somebody, what, what? Yeah, you're onboarding them, you're giving them all these things. It's like, the, and then at the end, you're, you're sending them into the ocean like a little baby sea turtle. Like, tell, explain the whole process because I think what you do is really valuable. And this is the stuff that I wish every single person in every business, big and small, would do with their inner, inner core team and teams within teams is really think about each other as a group, as a family and make each other better. So dig into that because I okay. really love your work and how you get there. So I think the first thing to know is like, we are such a small consulting firm. And so we're really lucky that we don't have to do everything the same way. Right. Um, and we get to just initially like meet with a client and normally like so far that's all been through word of mouth. So. We go help someone solve a problem, and I think they go, oh, you think we were a problem? You should meet this person. Like, they're an even <laughs> bigger problem. And so the challenges just get a bit bigger. And typically, it's we come in usually at points of crisis. It would be nice if people thought of us before then, but oftentimes it's like the team's a disaster or no one's accountable or I can't, th th those are two of the huge complaints or this really bad thing has happened, and now we think we need, quote, unquote, HR help. And so we'll go in and we'll, you know, start talking and usually put out that initial fire yep. in some way and then say to clients like, okay, have you thought about how you, you know, what is the employee experience that the staff who you have coming into work every day are having? Um, you know, I always say like at the end of the day, you, every business, regardless yeah. if it's hospitality, beauty, tech, they want their staff to create something for their clients or customers. And I'm really a big believer that the owners or leaders of that business have to then create that same experience for their employees. For sure. And Set the tone sort of thing. Exactly. Set the environment as it was for their clients, as, you know, as above, so below. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so we'll start asking a bunch of questions about, you know, what, what they've thought about to create an experience for their employees that models what they want them to, you know, put out into the world. And we use some really traditional HR, you know, processes and systems. Um, but then there's there's HR, which is sort of the systematic effort at your business. But then there's this whole other side, which is the people managers. Yeah. And so people will often confuse those two things. So they hear HR and they think people. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've even had like this huge internal debate. You know, do we even use the word HR? Do we avoid it because it has such a bad connotation? And right. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna use it, and we're gonna do it how it's supposed to be done. And then there's this whole. And that's what I love about you. Thanks. There's this whole other side, which is the people managers. And so, in a really good organization, HR would create these systems and structures and, you know, set up this ideal working environment. Okay. But then at the end of the day, they don't actually do any of it. You know, it's, it's the managers who are in the trenches day to day, working with staff, trying to get stuff done, who need to be able to use it. And, you know, what we found is that regardless of how you've come up through the ranks, whether you've done, you know, a master's degree, whether you've, 
you know, grown your own business, so few people are actually trained to be amazing people managers. Wow. And so when you have to dig in with someone that is a people manager and they're not doing a great job, these are some of the things that I feel you, we've got these incredible cards also that you've created. Oh yeah. I want you to talk about those cards because I think they're really great, but also just tactics, things that I, I want you to share how you bring love to people that don't always know that something's wrong or that they could be better or that they could grow themselves or evolve or look at something differently. And I, I love your tactics for this. So you're in a workplace and you have some people that you don't get along with or you're a manager of people you don't get along with. Amanda Hudson, go. What What do you do? What do you do? Um, so I think, you know, we always we always try to get the, the problem at the person to see their own issues first. Like if people can self-identify where they're, you know, falling down, that's always like dream number one. I think that that's great for life in general. Can yes. we just pause there? Yes. I think self-identification in anything you're doing, in a relationship, in a job, in your family, with your friends, to know who you are and what you bring to the table and own your shit, like your full percent as a person, good and bad. So important. Right? Yeah. So that's number one takeaway. Okay. People can't always get themselves there. So that's where that, you know, you were saying before, like me delivering a message kind of comes through. Yeah. And I think often like how I frame it for people is you likely got to become a people manager because you were a phenomenal individual contributor. So you were ah. you were the best whatever it was, software developer, teacher, designer, what you know yeah. whatever you were in your field, you were the best at it. And so someone identified that and said, "Wow, because you're the best individual contributor, oh, we will make you the manager of the other people doing that thing. <laughs> and I think as humans, we have this like really interesting habit of thinking if these behaviors made us successful, if we keep doing them in infinite quantities, we will be infinitely successful. And what pe most people don't know is the behaviors that made you successful as an individual contributor will actually kill you as a people manager. Keep going. So... I think that's like usually like lesson number one we tell people, you know, it's not necessarily your fault that you're here and you're maybe not having the results that you want to have. You know, no one told you like what should really happen is like the day you get promoted into people management, someone needs to like take your hand and pull you aside and be like, you are amazing at what you do and you're amazing for all of these reasons. And I need you to actually now stop doing all of those behaviors and do these other behaviors instead. And so just really quickly, some examples. Yeah, I want you to talk about this because I think this is pivotal. Okay. Pivotal <laughs> in a work environment, both for entrepreneurs, people with small businesses, people with big corporations, people who work for big corporations. This is super applicable shit here. Thanks. Okay, go. So, um, you know, strong individual contributors, they put up their hand, they do all the work. Right. They are the ones who are like, yep, give me that extra assignment. Yep, I can do that. And they they just plow through and they get work done. And I think the biggest shift for people to realize when they get into management is they now, instead of needing to value the work getting done through them, yeah. they need to value the work getting done through other people. <sighs> and how you get work done through other people means, you know, building relationships with them and taking time. And so... You know, I used to manage a team of 50 unionized faculty at, um, at a college here in Toronto, and I would spend 80% of my day with my door open or walking around the hallways just chatting with faculty. And I would get a lot of flack for that from my peers, you know, was I quote unquote working. But the funny thing is like when you're a manager, you need to understand that the work looks really different. The work is building the relationships. The work is building the trust. The work is checking in on people removing barriers for them. In the less work you are actually doing as an as a manager, like, you know, individual contributor work, the more successful you're going to be. So I think that that's an interesting thing because what you're doing when you are managing people and you are having these you know, out of office door open conversations all the time and you're making yourself available. I think you're trying to say and what you're doing for the peoples in business is open door policy is king and to be able to have an open relationship where you are able to freely speak to your team and your manager, that's a good thing. Open communication, right? Yeah, huge. So do you notice that that's an epidemic where people don't feel like they can talk to the peoples that they work with or what do you think comes up the most that you feel like you're remedying all the time? 
So in that in that regard, I think people feel they're not being productive if they're just sitting around having conversations with their staff. And you think that's good times? I think that's really good times. What do, um, what do you like about that? I think you're you are building tr- you're building like this trust surplus, um, so that when you actually need to roll something out you understand, people believe that you understand where they're coming from and what position they're in and what work they're doing, et cetera. Okay. I think, to be honest, the biggest thing we remedy is managers understanding that how they are 100% responsible for the team that they have. They have created every single problem um, that we're going to deal with. Okay. I think that I just kind of want you to say that one more time because I love myself. I love emphasis through repetition. Okay. So, so the like, as a manager, you are a hundred percent responsible for everything that's happening on your team. Every problem, every complaint you have, every gripe you bring to your friend or your partner, home. If you assume you're a hundred percent responsible for creating that, there's like so much power to be able to fix it. And I think that's like if if I could just like hammer home for people one lesson, that's. That's what it would be. That's Take a hard full one. response, and it's hard to it's hard to bite that one and and chew it as your own. That's that's like the hardest one for people. So, a your your behavior, how you show up at work, is how your team is going to show up at work. Right. So, if your company has a problem where everyone's like chronically late and missing deadlines, normally I'll look first right up to the the highest person I have access to, and I'll be like, "When was the last time you were late and missed a deadline?" And it's it's yet to happen where that person is like, I, n- I never miss a deadline. I'm never late. I never do this behavior that I see all over in my team. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So if they do not take accountability for this behavior, but their entire team is doing it, how do you handle that? What are you saying? Are you saying that they're lying to you? Or are you saying that what's the, uh, what's I, the punchline? I don't, I don't feel like I'm always the most popular person. <laughs> uh, I was recently in a meeting and we were interviewing some staff of a manager and it was the first time we had met one of the employees and she said, well, I'm assuming so-and-so, you know, hired you because you're just going to tell them what they want to hear. And I burst out laughing and obviously she would have no way to know, but actually I feel like 90% of my job is telling people what they don't want to hear. What they don't want to hear. Which is, again, you're 100% responsible. So... It doesn't mean people's behaviors are okay. Like employees do have behaviors that are unproductive, in some cases just downright destructive, you know, not okay. But if you as a manager can say, if I assumed I was 100% responsible for creating the situation, what would I have done differently and what can I do differently? And then suddenly you take all the power back. Okay, I just... You know, having gone through my own restructure recently, I love all these things so much because I think we can all find something in what you're saying and relate to it. And even if it's not on a work front, if you're if you're a fa- if you're a mom and you're raising a family, I mean, I think that this stuff applies to so many things in your life. Do you agree with me? I a thousand percent agree. I think it's like easiest at work with your employees. I always joke that the lessons like 2.0 are back at home, whether it be right. with your family or your partner or your spouse. Yeah. And I have had partners like use my own thing against me, you know, or they're <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that is really good. And yeah. it comes from me. So I got to take it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I, I, um, I can say that myself, um, with what I've gone through and you've recently helped me, which has been such a godsend is really looking at myself and what I've built and going through piece for piece. And I think even subconsciously, the things that you've said and the things that you've brought to my attention have really helped me bear witness to my processes and also making decisions moving forward, which is not only how am I gonna make this better, but how did I contribute to this becoming something that wasn't productive for me? Um, And therefore I feel like what I have right now is becoming maybe the most productive team slash process I've ever had. Mm. So, um, and I know you do that for a lot of people and I, and I, I can't hammer home. There's a couple things I want to hammer home about you that I love is sometimes the wrapping of the present that we come in as a human doesn't always match what people think they're going to get out of the present. Do you know what I mean by that? No, I'm curious to know where you're I'm nervous and curious to know where you're going with that. So I often feel like someone like you is now you can't see Amanda Hudson, but she's a fox. And (laughs) 
she's also she's also very articulate and very poised and, and incredibly intelligent. And you would not assume sometimes that something that is poised and intelligent can also be cutting and fierce and right and, and intelligent in a way that's not always so favorable to the person that's receiving the comments. But you have this incredible way of cutting to the quick, getting to the center of the problem and really addressing something where someone can't be mad at you because you're so you're so truth seeking in your information and you also come in this beautiful package. So you, Thank you. you just, you just don't see it coming. And then all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, lady's right. You know, she may be cute, but man, she's not just a pretty face. Um, and I think that that's often what happens in the work world is we sometimes judge a book by its cover mm. and we don't always think that the person that maybe acts a certain way or looks a certain way can be a great manager or can be a great communicator or a great, anything. Do you find that that happens a lot? Is that people get sort of like, do I experience that? Not you, but do you see it when you're working with certain people that they look a certain way or they act a certain way? So their peers judge them. I think the, the place that we try to most, um, lose our judgment is when we're hearing people describe their stories. And so often we'll come into a workplace through one angle. You know, so so recently we had um, a CEO of a startup reach out to us and they paint for us this picture. And we've been at this, you know, and, and so through that picture they're painting for you, um, you, you would think, oh my gosh, their team must just be X, Y, Z. And we've been at this long enough to know (laughs) um, there's always another side. And then you go speak to the team and they paint you this complete opposite picture. And so often I think, you know, that idea of suspending judgment from how things look isn't as so much visual for us as it is from how they're painted to us by the people we're talking, we're talking to. And it's the stories, I think, that we all have to see through sometimes because we've all become really great storytellers, haven't we? Yes. Have you noticed that? Yeah, people are, yeah. So in your work, what fires you up the most? When you're getting out of bed, you're throwing your mascara on, what are you most excited about tackling that day? And what do you love about it? I think the, oh, such a good question. Um, the the messy conversations, like it's sort of love hate you know when we are new to working with a client and for the first time we have to go tell them I know you're not happy with this but you know back to this idea of like it's a hundred percent your fault and and how you know we deliver that I it is sometimes probably more delicate and better than others depending on the day but when things when things for people are really messy and they feel trapped like that's my favorite time to come in and help because I think part of, um, you know, part of what I love to do is something that a lot of people don't like. You're a soldier of love. I'm really fortunate. (laughs) (laughs) You're a soldier. You get on your battlefield equipment, you're, you know, you're getting in and you're going in the middle of it. Don't you think you're a soldier of love? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I, I mean, I think you are. Thanks. You're a soldier. One of the things that we we know with our clients, and I've known through managing really complicated, difficult people myself, um, you have to f- you have to find a love for the people that you find most difficult. And I always say this to managers, um, and even like our clients that we find the most difficult. Like we'll always joke, like between like Leanna and I. Um, and Leanna, by the way, is just. An angel. A dream. Yeah, she's an angel. Yes, she's. she's I've had lots of time with her with this whole thing I've been uh, negotiating, and she's just been so lovely. So you are the people. You are the company you keep, and you've, you've, you're keeping some pretty lovely company. Thank so. you. And you haven't even met Carrie yet. Anyway, um, <laughs> I've got to give her a shout-out. Carrie, what's up? Carrie. Um, so, you know, we always joke, like, how do we, you know, when we meet clients, like, sometimes we instantly love them. Like sometimes you just, and then sometimes you're like, oh, like I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> and and we always joke that we know we're going to come to a place of being absolutely in love with them. And I think sometimes the more difficult they are up front, the, like, the more we end up loving them at the end. Um, and, and they, you know, we try to teach them that they need to do that even for the most difficult people that are working for them. I don't know. It's just like I, I if you can find a love for those people who drive you crazy because I think they're also our biggest teachers um it's the work is really easy this this again all this advice I think transcends it transcends the workplace 
Think it, about it. It it does, but we don't we don't tell people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling people that. So if you're listening to this podcast, you've got an extra special little. This is like your. This is like the um the really great loot bag. Yeah, you know? we, we run we run this like monthly leadership and management intensive program, and it's live and online, and you know we, people come in and. Okay, so d- just stop for a second. Okay. Where can they find that? Where can they find that? They can go to our website. What is the website? Amodernwaytowork.com. And then they get to amodernwaytowork.com and they go where? It There's a big button that says monthly intensives and they can click on that and they can read all the data about and information, you know, what, what, when it happens, what it is and what's going on. And it's, it's probably our favorite thing to do because every month we take in a very small group of people, often from around the world. So we recently had someone from like Lebanon complete the program. And we are with them intensively for a month. It's two hours, two mornings a week. And what we found is a lot of leadership and management training. You go get like sequestered in a gross hotel (laughs) conference room for three days. Not inspiring. Not inspiring. And it's really easy to be on your best behavior there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so so easy to be like, yeah, next time I have this difficult conversation, I'm going to use the XYZ model. And then you get back to work and you're like, oh, I forgot. God, how hard this is. Yeah. And so our program is set over the course of a month because we actually want you in your workplace. So we teach you a little bit of content, then we send you back into work to practice with the real people that you are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Where it's the most basis. applicable, really. A thousand percent. Yeah. Um, that line, your work is your love made visible. Mm. You've heard that, right? I, I, Have you ever heard that? I don't know if I've heard that. Yeah. I, I think about it often is that I always say the work that I do is my love, the things I love made visible. Mm. And um, and often in this world that we live in, we can't do anything alone. We're not an island, we need people. You know, we need, and in that love, it's not just the work and the beautiful things or the beautiful offices or the incredible projects that are completed, but the people that have helped us do those things. Mm. And I think that that's what you do that I love the most because the work with people is something that as soon as you change someone's life, in that regard and they may take it as you know the high level conscious okay well i'm going to be a better boss subconsciously they become a better partner they become a better parent they become a better person and it just sort of um i i believe it has a trickle down effect and don't you and that's why i love you and that's why i feel like your work is so important and that's why i wanted you on the podcast because um you're one of those people that have used love as an active verb in the work that you do and i think it goes into these really corporate environments where someone like yourself is bringing something that no one else would ever do can we talk about your cards we can't yeah tell tell the peoples about your cards the difficult conversations deck yeah um i so i think one of the things that we you know, when you first start your business, people are like, what's your brand? What's your niche? Who are you serving? What are you doing? And there's like this tremendous pressure to define yourself. And that was super overwhelming at the start. And I think what what we've learned and still our motto over time has been just show up and add value. That's like literally the only two things we worry about. So whether it's like Carrie, Leanna or I or someone that we're working with and we're stressed, or we don't know what to do. We just think, let's just show up and let's add value. And then everything else kind of falls into place. And so... What feels like value to you? <sighs> great question. When people... When we leave a place and we've we've been able to change how someone sees a situation, uh, we've been able to get them through a roadblock or we've, you know, we've been able to just do something for them that no one else had been able to do. And sometimes that means like, you know, I went to a, a business pitch meeting with this tech startup here in Toronto recently and within 10 minutes, I was like, you don't, you don't need us. You, I think you actually need this thing. Um, you need a full-time person. You need, and I think I know someone who might be perfect, and here's this person, and she's a dream, and ended up you know, spending an hour and a half and helping them sort of rework some of the recruitment stuff they were doing and like walked out knowing that like that, in theory, would be like killing you know, a stream of like revenue. But that's like never, it's never what we care about. So it's like, that was like adding value. It like that manager that I got to work with sent me an email that next day being like, oh, I already started using these questions that you taught me this afternoon. And wow, what a difference it made. Okay, I'm going to get back to the cards, but I think this is really important stuff here because that is something that I think we often do as humans, people in work or people in life is you cut off the flow of energy that's going in a direction that maybe 
isn't intended for you, but you put it to where you need it to go, knowing that the right things will come find you. Right. So for you, you're not concerned. Oh my God, if I give this guy the solutions he needs to make his business better, but yet I'm shutting off my own financial work yeah, like, cash stream here just by giving him these simple solutions and walking away. I, I urge people to think like that because often those simple small things are great connective tissue to the next person or the next thing or the person that has been done right by. He's going to connect you with someone else and it just it's going to keep perpetuating. Do you agree with this? A thousand percent. They also sent me this like giant nice bouquet of flowers, which is arguably way nicer than any cash. But that's just a note to anybody that wants to do something nice <laughs> for Amanda Hudson. Her address no. is, and the flowers can be sent no. to. No. But they, I mean, they were really grateful, which is sweet. But yeah, I think just gratitude you know, cannot be underrated. No, it can't be. And I think so many people worry so much about the hours, the money when they're starting a business. What, how am I going to, you know, this, that. And I think, you know, what we've, even to this day, five years later, you know, we've been so fortunate to have such amazing clients and work. And just, we just, we're like, wherever we can, we just show up and we add value. And we just trust that if we continue doing that, it, the rewards come back to us. And they have. And that in and of itself is, I think, the best and most important message in the whole world for anyone that's going to take the time today, tonight, this morning to listen to this podcast. I love you so much for saying that because um, I always think whenever, what I do when I'm reversing out of my driveway in the morning, I always say, let me be of service. Let me give love. Let me do what you want me to do and put me in touch and in place where you need me to be of most service to the people that need me today. Yep. And I think that that's what you do. And that's why I love you. So back to the cards. Back to the cards. So the, and I started that whole tangent to say is that we just started showing up places and trusting that we had something to offer. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm obviously here for a reason. So what is it that I what is it that I have to offer, even if it's one question or just to listen. And part of what we st what we started getting to the root of it with most of our clients is HR issues became issues because people didn't know how to have the difficult conversations three months ago, huh. three weeks ago, even three days ago. And so there was like a seed of something that got planted and people avoided it and avoided it and avoided it. And then it grew into this disaster. And now they're calling me in and I'm calling Steve, my favorite lawyer in, <laughs> and you know, like all the people. Um, and so I think there's a lot of work out there. That's Poppy Hi, just Poppy. confirming your words. Thanks, Poppy. When Poppy barks, I always look at that as confirmation. Mm -mm. Okay, keep going. So um, what we... Poppy's going to join us now. This okay. is the only moment I wish this was also visual so everyone could see how cute Poppy's. Poppy is. Um, there's a lot of really great work done on difficult conversations, but I think a lot of it is too formulaic. And so I think what we... We just started teaching people all the time how to enter into difficult conversations with a mindset that might be different from how they were approaching them. And oftentimes when you prepped to have a difficult conversation, I joke, how many of you had, you know, practiced in your head, I'm going to say this, then this person's going to say this, then I'm going to say this back. And you get into it and you're all hyped up and you say the first thing and the person goes off the script that you imagined that they would have. Have you ever done that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the person that always goes off the script. So yeah. Yeah. And then you rattle people and then, and then all your prep and all you're getting worked up is really so you know, we started teaching people how to have difficult conversations. And then what they started saying was, oh, I wish you could be in my pocket. Like, can I just bring you in my pocket to have this conversation? And I happened to be in LA for a while with this like brilliant group of people who were writers and creators and they were making things. And I always feel like our work is so invisible. Like when we do something really great, it it's usually invisible. Um, and I, and, you know, we just decided that we were going to be able to be in people's pockets. So we made something called the Difficult Conversations Deck, which is all of our best advice on how to have difficult conversations. And you can buy those on your website? You can buy them on the website. I have great love for those cards and also for my girl, Janelle. Yeah, I was just going to say, Janelle, yeah. who did such a beautiful job designing Jan them. Janelle's been uh, my graphic wonder for 10 years, and I pass her along willingly to anyone that needs graphic work done. She's such a love. Yeah, so. and so easy to work with. And She's for a love. Someone like me who's not visual at all, had no idea what I wanted, 
was able to just capture that and make something and, beautiful. And make something, yeah. That, I think that that's, we all have to find the people in our lives that are, you know, best at what, they're, what they do and then let them shine. But that was also a magical you and I moment, which is maybe worth telling since this is, yeah, you know, no, your, I, that's what this your, is. your podcast. I had written the content when I was in LA and it got edited and it, it lived literally just on this like ugly Google Doc as content that had been edited. And I had no idea what the next step was of like how to actually physically make something. Yep. And, um, it sat there for probably a year and you and I hadn't talked for a while and then sure enough I think we were like I was on a plane flying home from Montreal and like yes. Tiff is just like you know doing her thing walking down the aisle uh, uh, just jumping on the plane yeah just jumping on the plane and I was I remember seeing your face and I remember thinking now there's a person I needed to see mm. you know do you know that feeling of like, that's the person I needed to see. Yeah, it was like so serendipitous. Yeah, seeing you on that plane. And it was like no time had passed. At, at like, all. Yeah, like we saw each other. And then from that moment, you know, that's when the cards came to be. Because I think that's when you started asking me. Because of course, I think people come to me, um, I'm not going to use the word manufacturing, but I think because I'm a maker, mm -hmm. people know that I, you know, I've got my finger on that hotline. Yeah, and yeah. I have no idea like what possessed me to even ask you. It just had been like in the back of my mind. And I was like, hey, I'm trying to make something. Like, I don't even know what I said. And you're like, Janelle, just connect with Janelle. And I was like, got it. Yeah, I think I sent you her details at an email introduction. And, and Janelle, you know, we've we've made so many paper products and things over the years. And uh, and also, too, I, you know, she knows the people that come through me are good people, you know, and it's mm. so incredible. I don't just give her name out to anyone. And she she's just one of those heartfelt makers. And the cards are beautiful. And I think they're helpful. And, you know, this is I call this now like a card culture. Don't you feel like everyone's making their own tarot card decks now and everyone's in, in this in this, you know, heart-centered spiritual realm, it's it's a card culture. Right, it and is. And I love your cards because I think your cards are so different. Thank you. And they're addressing things that um, are a part of everyone's lives. We all have to deal with difficult things. Difficult conversations are not unique to the workplace. And I think the, the content and the theory behind it can be applied everywhere. And back to what you were saying, yes, we target all of these behaviors and thoughts and things at work because I don't think... I think there's a lot of people bringing a lot of our content to people in their personal lives, but I actually think we spend most of the time at work and that's where our relationships can have the most impact on how we feel every single day when we, when we wake up. And it's been really a privilege to be able to be led into businesses who I think trust that we understand their business. And so there's a lot of people who do leadership training or personal development work who've not run, you know, businesses, haven't worked in businesses themselves. And I think for us, it's being able to marry the knowing of both that has made us really successful. So we're going to give you that content, but we're going to give it to you with a full understanding of your business. So when you dream this up, this business that you run, mm. tell me why you dreamed it up and why you wanted to do it and why you felt like it was important. That's a good question. I don't know that I ever... Like necessarily, I don't know that I set out to be like, I'm going to, you know, run a business. I think for like sexy these days to be like an entrepreneur and people to be like, I don't want to work the nine to five, which I just want to say, because I was talking to a friend recently about it. There's nothing wrong with working in a nine to five job. Like, I think that's really important too for people to hear. And like, maybe that's like a side note and you can you yeah, know, edit no, it it's out. Good. But no, no, no. I think it, you know, so for me, it wasn't about like, oh, it's like sexy to be a business owner and I want to run a business. It was... You know, I was doing work in, you know, Ontario's like largest college. And I really, I felt like I was having good impact there, but more people needed what I wanted to share. So I don't know that I ever necessarily started with like dreaming up that it was gonna be a business. I guess I knew that I felt you know, that what I wanted to share with the world was important and that a lot of people weren't doing it. And I knew that workplaces were, that many people at workplaces were deeply unhappy. And I was, you know, I was, um, you know, running the School of Business at Ontario's largest college and managing all these faculty and making a great deal of change against so much resistance from my peers. And I, I 
I knew that there were people in the world who needed to hear that what they were doing was okay. There were people who needed some support. And, you know, it's a weird thing because you, I don't know, you're, I'm sure you're the same way. You don't set out no. with like this, uh, this is going to be my business. And in yep. three years, it's going to be this. And in five years, it's going to be this. I think it goes back to that. I just showed up where I was called to be. And um, I talk about that in my first podcast. Amazing. Like, fuck a five-year plan. You know, this is, you, you have an idea of what you're drawn to and what you're good at. You know your basic skill set as a human being. You know the things that light you up and bring you joy. Mm-hmm. But you, I, I have never felt like I could ever, if someone told me I'd be doing what I'm doing right now, even 10 years ago, I would have laughed my ass off. Right. do you agree? Yeah. And I, you know, I think I, I feel so privileged and so grateful that I get to do it for myself. Um, that's a luxury and a privilege that I don't, you know, take for granted every day. But I think there's like so much also dialogue about, you know, it's so sexy now to own a business and no, and everyone's like, get out of your nine to five job and this and that. But I was just talking about with a friend the other day, it's okay to show up and work for someone else. And it's okay to have a nine to five job for most people. That's going to be what's right for them. And it doesn't mean you can't show up and, you know, be of service and do work you love. And I I just feel like right now those people need like a small shout out in the world because- 100%. It's like everyone's being made to feel like they have to be an entrepreneur. They have to run their own business. And, you know, if you can't go to yoga or to Misfit and do Amber J's <laughs> class at noon on a Monday, like somehow you're not as successful. And I think that that, you know, I, I just- those people, nine to five people who are loving what they do and happy there for whatever reason, like you might be a single mom who like didn't, who, who needs that income. Yeah. And, and I think we just, we don't give people enough credit for, you know, doing what they're doing. So, nope. And also too, I think we all have to design the lives that work for us. A thousand percent. And when you design your own life, that's not to say that you have to design a job and you have to start from scratch and work for yourself. A thousand percent. And I think that that's often the misconception when you're designing a life is you think that because it's design, it has to be from ground zero. And often there are things that you can do even in a nine to five job. I know people that work seven to three because they want to be there to pick up their kids at the bus stop. Right. You know, you can design your life to work around your priorities and the way that you need to function in order to have the life that you want to lead. Most people want to have a, a paycheck every two weeks. And that is okay. And weekends off. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I think you're a lot better at boundaries than I am. Like, you're a lot better about shutting off and enjoying. That's actually one thing I learned from you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I um, and I love that about you. I love that you're a self-employed person that has their priorities completely intact and still make time for yourself and doing the things that create you as a human outside of your business. And there's a lot of, that's, I think, one of the things that's uh, a downfall to, to not being a nine-to-fiver is it's mm. hard for people who are self-employed to compartmentalize what time is theirs and what time is their business time. Yes. And, Do you and agree with that? A thousand percent. And then there's this also this like myth, which is when you love what you're doing so much, you don't, you know, you don't care that you're working on it on the weekend or whatever. And it's like everyone, regardless of how much they love what they do, needs a break from it. Yep. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, it's funny. I, I shout out to the people right now that need a break. Yeah. Right. Take a break. Yeah. Take a break. And, you know, part of the work we do is we help organizations figure out how to attract and retain talented people who who will be working, you know, in air quotes, like nine to five or like regular jobs for other people. So I think it's so hypocritical when I see people in the HR space, you know, over glamorize what it's like to work for yourself. When at the end of the day, we need to actually help organizations figure out how to make attractive working for other people. Boom. I See, this right here, I think, is a very important element because I think people are grasping for the entrepreneurial life because the environments that are set in corporate life currently, as we've seen it, have not been desirable, right. have not looked like the type of places that we want to spend our time. And, um, and I, that's what I love about your work and that's what I think I love about you is you're creating a lifestyle for every man. Mm. You know, you're really, you're, you're doing, you're doing the work. And I think we try to really question companies and ask why, you know, so nothing, when, when people work with us, we don't assume anything is the way 
it is. You know, there's nothing that's going to be unquestionable. Yep. But we also, you know, we tell the businesses we work with, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's your choice. And if you don't want to give 100% flex time and unlimited vacation, that's also okay. We're not here to tell you what you should be doing with your business. We're here to tell you what the impact and consequences of different decisions might be based on our knowledge and research and what we've studied. Um, and, you know, we start with understanding, you know, what is your business? What do you want to get out of it? Even if the business is a business unit for like a larger, you know, organization. And then, okay, if that's what you want to get out of it, how do you design something? And then how do you attract the right people into that and keep them there? And I think attracting what you reflect is a huge piece that people don't realize because that's all about energy. Mm -hmm. That's not something that you can just manufacture. That's something that's an inside job. And I, and I think that that's one thing that I wanted this podcast to be about the most is the inside job that we all have to do within ourselves to do the service that we're intended to do. And when you're doing the inside job, you're certainly reflecting something that people want to be a part of. I want to steal that on so many levels, just to interrupt go, you, because go. we always say, like, we help organizations on the inside so they can do what they want to do on the outside. Yes. So, you know, um, and then I think a lot of, you know, this, is, this is such a nice thread. Thank you for saying that. A lot of the work we do with leaders and managers is their own internal work. Yeah. And so it's like they're doing their inside work hopefully to inspire the people around them to do their inside work, but they're working on what's going on inside the organization in order to do better work on the outside, whatever it, whatever it is for them. See, I think all this boils, and I, and I see, don't you love, you and I riff. <laughs> I swear, our, even our coffee time, when we have like coffee days, that shit should be recorded. It, it sounds a lot like this. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, uh, this is why I wanted you here, because you're so, to me, you're such a value to this planet. And, uh, and I think what I love is you really, you force people to ask the why. Mm -hmm. You get into the why. You get into the middle of the why. So I've got a couple, I've got a couple things here. Okay. This is what I'm going to start doing. Don't tell Amber J. Okay. What is why? What color is why to you? What color is why? Quickly. Purple. And what's your astrological sign? I'm a Libra. What's your favorite thing about your life? I want to say two things. I want to say the people in my life. Yeah. Because I have the best friends, I think, on the whole planet. Like, I could cry, like, saying that. So the people in my life. And then I also think the favorite, my favorite thing about my life is um, how all the hardships have led me up until this point and made me feel like there's nothing that could ever go wrong. Because even when it seems like it's going wrong, I know it's actually working out in my favor. I just said something like this this morning. I was saying, I was parlaying something sad about my something at one point today to somebody important. And the person gave me this look like, oh my God. And I looked at him and I said, don't worry. If that didn't happen to me, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I, I'm really happy about that because I got to learn all this stuff. And I love that you say that because so often I think we believe that life and most people would even look at me, pink hair, sunshine, lollipops and rainbows and glitter shit everywhere, <laughs> wiener dogs. And they think, oh, this girl just like sits on a cloud and just hangs out. But the truth is, is I actually believe that it's the grit. Mm -hmm. It's the dirty, messy stuff that you go into every day that we go into as human beings that we're not there. We're willing to face mm -hmm. that we're willing to look at that makes us the, the type of people that are really putting out the good shit, the, the sunshine, the lollipops and the rainbows, because we're transmuting the things that maybe aren't so beautiful and we're making them great. And I think it's probably really important to say, because sometimes people ask me like how I started doing this work, because I failed at everything I teach people. Like I was a terrible team member. I was a bossy leader. I was overbearing. I like my MBA team like was the biggest blow up disaster of my life. I cried for five months straight <laughs> while like a friend of mine was saying it's a it's a hundred percent your fault. And I was like, I, what do you mean? Like obviously it's not my fault. These other people are morons. Um, and so I am so grateful for that because having to have pulled myself out of it and learned the hard way, I think gives me like the tools and capacity to go teach other people. Which I think is, for anyone listening, is Amanda's um, invitation 
to all of you to look at those things in yourself and to pull out the strength that you have and the things that you've fucked up and look at it on the other side of the fence and realize that those are your gifts and those are your I always call that the the life's loot bag. That's your loot bag. Yeah, and you know, like we like I've asked for great things. Like I have like huge expectations of what my life is gonna be like. Um and I don't so when really bad things happen, I can't I, I know that they're lessons. So I can't ask for all these great things and want this huge great life and then be bitter when life's sending me lessons so that I can get there. Yeah, and preach, sister. I just, I hope everyone can rewind that part of the podcast and listen to it a few times just to like let that sit. Because a lot of the time you and I sit and after I leave your presence, I always feel like, God, she said so many profound things. I really wish I recorded that. You're so sweet. Um, and can I, can I add one more thing? Yeah, I, I want you to, t- I want I was, you to say I all the things. I was just going to say, because I say it to managers all the time and I, I temper my like kookiness depending on the company, the client, the, you know, and then as they get to know me, I can get like weirder and weirder with what I say. Um, but they, you know, I, so many times managers come up against one person who is a challenge for them. Um, and I always say to them, you know, yeah, you can fire that person a hundred percent. Like that's within your right to do, but I promise you they're just going to show up again and again and again until you figure out how to overcome whatever challenge that person is bringing for you. And I, you know, I see it at work all the time with managers and, I think that's that's true of life too. Like, you you know, you can see that you can run away from the challenge now. You can you can fire the person. You can avoid the conflict, or you can do everything in your power to try and fix it, learn the lessons, and then not have to deal with another so and so again. And then the lessons are only gonna get harder. That's the other thing too. Do you know how much I love you? I love you too. Like I just love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope everyone's listening and taking notes. I should actually say that. Warning, you need a notepad for this episode. Um, My last question. Okay. What do you love about what you do? I think when I see our clients have breakthroughs and see them happy. You know, we had uh, someone turn, like, it's the small things. You know, someone who had been working with turned to me and say, um, their, their compliment was, you know, I was in this meeting the other day and one of my staff looked at me and told me my idea was awful. And before I met you, that would have set me off. But now I can like really hear that. And, you know, oh. and so just seeing our clients face problems differently and not repeat the same patterns and seeing managers, a lot of people that we work with have risen to these phenomenal places because they are powerhouses of humans who are so brilliant and so smart, but it doesn't mean they always have the skills to manage and lead other people. And so when you can add that to their repertoire of intelligence, Mm. I think that for me is like the happiest, the happiest. It's invaluable. Yeah. What do you want to tell the peoples? Oh my gosh, that's a big, that's a big one. I just like to tell the people I love them all the time. I was just going to say, like, I think if I had, like, last words, just like, I love you all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and what do you think if anyone was to jump on your website or to think about your work or to go into the workplace, like one small tidbit that you think would help change their lives in any small way and bring a little bit of love into what they do, what would you say? Two things. Assume that everything that you're frustrated with uh, is 100% your fault. and see how much power that gets you and also assume that it's there to teach you something and instead of like trying to run away from it or blame it like walk towards it amanda hudson i love you i love you too so much (laughs) can i keep saying thank you from the depth of my soul for emailing me five years ago and asking me to style images for your (laughs) new website for this beautiful company that you've built that has helped and changed so many lives and people from the inside out. Thank you. And thank you for being my friend and for always being there. Honestly, the drop of a hat, anything that's going down, you're like right there. And I, for the good and all the bad, you're a sensational human. So thank you for being on this planet at the same time as I am. Do I get to thank you? Do your guests get to thank you? You can do whatever you want. For being a sensational human? (laughs) 
<laughs> like, do they? Do you give them that yeah, opportunity? Yeah, for sure. Hit it. Yeah, if you want. Because you're the greatest. Uh, and you're, like, such a joy. And, like, I feel so grateful that, like, five years ago, I feel like it was, like, just before you sort of blew up, you know, in a way. Because, <laughs> like, it's, had I reached out to you today to do that, you'd be like, lady who do you think I am (laughs) no I'm on that bus no I'm gonna embarrass you now for a second um and so I'm just really grateful I got to meet you at that time and that you walked on that plane and here we are and grateful to always obviously help where we can with our work yeah no it's uh you don't do you know I don't I think that we all need to hold each other up Mm. you know I want to end this podcast with always an important thing to think about always is not only how you can be of service, but how we can hold each other up. And that's something I think of often with the people that I admire so much is how can what I'm doing help them or hold them up and put them in a place that um, more people can benefit from their shine and their light. So um, I hope everyone checks out your website and benefits from your shine and your light and keep doing what you're doing. And thank you so graciously for coming here and spending your time with me because time is so valuable. So I love you. I love you. Okay. Thank you. That's our love jam. Did you like the love jam? I loved it. (laughs) Let's say love one more time. I am forever grateful to every guest that will join me and share themselves and their hearts on the love jam. So thank you so much, all of you, for coming on and sharing yourself. It uh, just is what makes the world such a richer place. Coco Trabagian, the genius behind the mixing and the recording of the Love Jam and the person who wrote the theme music himself. It's truly not even possible for me to have this podcast without you. So I love you and I thank you forever. And Delta Faucets Canada, oh my God. Without your encouragement and your support, this wouldn't even be happening. So... Thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you. Um, Without your hand, this love would not be in the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for you. You, you that lovely human listening to this podcast from the depth of my soul. Thank you so much for taking your time and wanting to listen to me and my friends jam about love.